Hey everybody, I just want to take a moment to talk about a new thing I'm doing. Over the years, many of you have reached out to me telling me how much you love the podcast, but also wish there were more personalized takeaways and more in-depth interactions with our guests to hear what they think about comedy. This is why I'm now launching my new digital academy, Blueprint for Success. With exclusive interviews and comedy philosophies of stars and industry veterans, personalized versions of the Industry Standard podcast, commercial-free, and one-on-one coaching time with me. Blueprint for Success will give you the powerful tools that will take you up the elevator beyond the competition and reach the highest possible levels to achieve your dreams. Whether it be stand-up, sketch, improv, acting, writing, producing, directing, hosting, radio podcasting, social media influencing, or even if you want a career behind the scenes as a manager or an agent. Now I'm here to help, personally. We'll go on an express train of comedy and entertainment like nobody else has before. You can find out more about Blueprint for Success and the comedy business on my website at barrycats.com. Together, we'll take your career where you want it to go. Whatever the negative is about you, like, hey, fag, be the fucking gayest guy in town. Whatever it is. A a, a, a basketball man, just watch this to the point where they say it, it circles back and they actually look absurd, doubled down on whatever the negative is. Just keep doing it. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. Welcome back to another episode of Industry Standard with me, Barry Katz. I just want to thank you so much. You guys have been so, so amazing and supportive. It means the world to me. And as always, as you know, I normally start off the show when I'm looking at my guest and share some kind of cold open that comes off of the top of my head. And all I can say about my guest today, who is Jay Moore, who you're going to love, is he's always been a guy who I looked at as somebody who was a giver, a guy who always tried to give of himself to other comedians and tried to support the craft and the people around him. And my relationship with Jay It's very unique because we've been working together for a quarter of a century. And you wouldn't think that an artist is a giver when it comes to a management artist relationship. You'd think they were a taker. But no, Jay Moore is a giver. And I'm going to tell you a little story about how he's a giver and how it indirectly affected me and how it indirectly affected all of you who listen and who are a supporter of this podcast. So when it was time for him to decide whether he wanted to do a podcast or not, and he finally figured it out and made the steps necessary to launch his podcast, I get a call from him, and he says, Barry, I'd like you to do my first episode. I say, Jay, come on, man. I'm not a celebrity. I've never done a podcast. I don't do interviews Listen, find somebody else. It'll be much better. He said, be at my garage at 7. And so on July 6th, 2011, I do his first podcast. And something 
really, really bizarre happens. It's the number one show in the world that day that it launches. And I am the recipient riding on Jay Moore's coattails of a guy who has over 500,000 people who've listened to me talking about the business. And I was just so, so happy and so excited that he gave that opportunity to me, which is an unusual opportunity for a manager to have. And I didn't think anything of it until a week later when I got the call from him. He said, Barry, I want you to do my third show. And so I did the third show again, the number one show when it launched two weeks later. And then I did the seventh show and the 23rd show, and the 47th show, and the 54th show, and on and on and on. And I did about 15 of his shows. And in the span of a few short years, over 4 million people listened to episodes that I was on with Jay Moore. And the feedback was amazing that I was getting. And for him, the feedback was so great as well. And we had this unique chemistry together. But he kept encouraging me to do more. He kept encouraging me to launch my own podcast. And when it came time to really think about things and decide whether I should do it or not, because so many people told me not to because they thought it would be bad for me, bad for the business, bad for the relationship, my clients, Jay Moore came to me and he said, Barry, don't listen to anybody else. Listen to your gut. Listen to what you're feeling inside. Look at all the feedback we've had. Look at all the incredible audience that we've drawn from this. People want to hear what you have to say. They want to hear your interviews with the people that you know in the business. And because of him and his push and his inspiration and his generosity, when he didn't have to be that way, he could have been a guy who said, hey, cats. I don't want you doing that. I don't want you taking any time away from anything that could possibly affect my career. Yeah, I know you're doing in your spare time. But hey, maybe on a Sunday you might be doing something for me. But he didn't say that. He was supportive of it. He pushed me hard. And he got me to go forward and do it through my own gut and his wisdom and his kindness and his generosity. I launched my show. And I'll never forget that day. It was in July of 2013. I had Doug Herzog as my first guest, the president of Viacom Entertainment, and one of the nicest guys in the world who was the president of Fox when Jay did action, my first show I ever executive produced. And I'll never forget that day because I get a call from Jay. He was at the radio station. And he says, Barry, I want you to come over. I need to talk to you. I said, Jay, I'm kind of busy. I can't really come. He says, Barry, please come to the radio station. I get there. He takes his headphones off on a break. He takes his laptop, and he points to something on iTunes. And I look at where his finger is, and it says, Industry Standard Number 3. And I was just blown away because I knew that it never would have happened without his generosity and his support. And it was a really, really beautiful moment that we had. And I was leaving, and then he took me 
next to him and he put a hand on each shoulder you know if somebody does that and they look you straight in the eye and he looked at me with that wry smile on his face and he said cats i love you and i said jay i love you too thank you so much and i'm about to leave and he squares me up again and looks me in the eye and he says hey cats i said yeah jay he said, you're not supposed to do better than your fucking clients. And he walked out the door. <laughs> and of course, he was joking. But the bottom line here is this. In your life, if you have a chance to be a taker or you have a chance to be a giver, do your best to be a giver. And I can guarantee you you'll have a shot at the kind of career that Jay Moore has. Here we go in three, two. This show will have laughter. I got everybody pregnant with Barry Katz and semen. I'm not comfortable with the tone this is taking. If you're undeniable, you will not be denied. If you want to be successful in show business, you get yourself a Jew white manager like Barry Katz. <laughs> Being a manager is just turning no's into yeses. Creating holy shit moments. Undeniable. You fucking firing me up, Katz. I love this man. Is there anything else I should know? You're on. What? Barry Katz. Back in the house. 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 Let's do this. Let's go way, way, way back. Tell our audience where you were born, grew up, and when was the first thing that happened that inspired you to do stand-up comedy for the first time? Okay, I grew up in Verona, New Jersey, which is an old Indian word. <laughs> <laughs> that means Italians live here. Man. Very, 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 very middle class. Like, if you put, like, a deck on the back of your house, it was like, what the fuck? Are they in the mob? They have a, an above-ground pool. <laughs> You're like, yikes. Uh, you made your own bikes. And my dad, I still don't know what he did for a living because he didn't really talk a lot. <laughs> Let me explain my job to you, son. Uh, my mom was a nurse, head nurse. Um, then she did blood transfusions. One of the first, She was a pioneer in blood transfusions for AIDS patients. We had a family meeting. She says, I have an opportunity to go to Manhattan and do blood transfusions for AIDS patients. And we all just went, well, what's the meeting? Like what? Like me and my sisters and my dad. Well, my dad wasn't there. Her and he had already spoken about it. Me and my sisters just were confused. Like, okay, so what's the meeting about? Because to us it was go. Who doesn't answer that call? And in hindsight, I realized like in 1984, it was, it was a big, scary thing. Then. And we were just like, of course you go. Never dawned on us like, mom, I get AIDS. Because that's what everybody's panic stricken. That's probably why I held Charlie so hard. So my dad did a weird job that you don't know. And just a classic, like the guy in like a Mike Judge cartoon that just at a desk, everything's beige. His skin is beige. His teeth are beige. His life is beige. The lifetime of, you know what I should have done? And the answer is everything. Um, I've always loved comedy so much. My sisters were way older than me, seven and six years older than me. So I would listen to things that were way out of my age demographic. I'd be listening to uh, like Donna Summer. I'd be listening, like gay guys came over. Uh, black guys and black women came to the house. My mom's in AA. 
Also, there's a Puerto Rican lady named Martha taking me to Madison Square Garden to watch Jimmy Snooker. I'm like walking around Manhattan with like a Puerto Rican uh, mamacita. Like, yeah, this is good. I like this AA life. So there was always an incredible multicultural diversity in our home because my sisters were older and they had friends that they met like discos when they had discos and they'd be white, black, Puerto Rican, beige, brown, gay, really fucking gay. Uh, and then with my mom with AA, again, with that stuff. So I was always uh, around other ages and stuff. And so I listened to like Joan Rivers albums because I remember this guy, Frank, Virginia's friend Frank was gay. And he's like, she's the best. And we're all of us sitting around like a speaker with a record listening to Joan Rivers. I don't do drugs every once in a while. I put some uh, club soda on my maxi pad. Oof. That's a pickup. <laughs> I was like, whoa. But I'm like way too young to understand this. But I get, I'm like, that's a great joke. And I knew which was bullshit. I'm like, that sucks. Then Star Search comes out. Then the influx of comedy. And I would tape all of it, just VHS tapes. And I was just like, that's my thing, man. I just love watching comedy. And there's an ad for, if you're a teenager, between the ages of 13 and 18 or 17, and you think you're funny, come on down to Rascals Comedy Club in West Orange, New Jersey, three to five. I go, oh, of course. And my first thought, which is such a fucking light being put on the room of who I am, is fucking three minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Not how the hell am I getting three minutes? I go, oh, of course. I'm supposed to do that. I'll go, wait a minute, three minutes? The fuck? Like I'm complaining. <laughs> uh, at 16 in my wrestling letterman jacket in James Barone's Buick Regal. <laughs> fucking three minutes. They got balls on them, James. Look, man, you're fucking Malibu. I'm in the Palace Edge. You're like, I'm going to go with my brown Birkin today over the shoulder Merce. Back then, you had a fucking coat. That was your coat. That's why you want to go varsity. They give you a coat. Anyway, yeah, so I did stand up, and then you do it, you do it, you do it, you do it. Tell us about that first time you went on stage. How'd it go? No, it didn't at all. It's, uh, it's a pause. It's watching... You see like a music video and they slow it down. What was it, corn? You see the bullet go through the apple? Do you remember that video? It's like a slow motion of like a bullet going through an apple. You would never see that in a billion years because you don't have eyes that can be slowed down. But if you take that visual, apply spatial relations, volume, the sound of your own voice, your concept of words and the language and where they're falling – and where they're not going, and you got something. It, it was all of that, a complete, just underwater, breathing properly experience. But as Buddy Hackett said to me once, the first time you went on stage, everything you were thinking, except the actual words out of your mouth, 99.999% of the things that you were thinking were not what you were doing. What's that noise? Why isn't this guy laughing? That guy's got big glasses. Look at the ass. Is that an ice machine? But many people saw .00001 and went, that guy, what are you doing Wednesday? And I was like, Jesus Christ. He goes, no other business can you enter that shitty and have people say, come with me. We're going to be shitty and be a little less shitty. And then we'll be surgeons. When was the first time on stage where you said to yourself, I've got it, got the formula, I've got the blueprint, I'm not bombing anymore, I'm killing every time I go on? It's been about a dozen times. 
and it happened this year again is you just keep it's like the winchester mystery house where you go okay i'm doing colleges i'm gonna go entertain people at naca at the opryland hotel i'm doing colleges i'm gonna go why do they say announce your major like you walk out on the quad today with a bugle i was like some old hacky joke economics <laughs> And like I'm just like you, like well, I cracked the coat. Like I am a fucking comic. I go out to a college. It could be noon. These guys complaining about noon shows. I just keep going an hour and three minutes. I kill. I am the guy. Then you're headlining at like the Tempe Improv, and you go, "Wow!" Like I have four closing bits. Any show, I can just like don't want to smash, smash that watermelon. That watermelon, that watermelon, or that watermelon. They don't even know it. People see me twice. They go, you did like a, a whole different thing at the end. Then you do a different thing entirely. You go, I have two hours? Then you do Jiminy Glick. This was the absolute first whoof Apollo Gemini program of launching a missile and going, we're we have zero gravity. We're weightless. So I go out on Jiminy Glick. He goes, I'm here with David Speed. <laughs> and it's like, how are you going to play it? I'm out there in real time going, hmm, I could be a little angry. I could be like, just act like I'm David Spade. So in real time, I have to put this thing together. But while I was out there, three minutes into like a 12-minute segment, no, it was long. It was a long one, actually. The whole half-hour show was you. And they didn't break for a commercial. You went straight through it. Then they chopped it up afterwards. I realized there was no pre-interview. Bernie Brillstein is the guy that asked me to do it. He managed Martin. You never fucking know. You want Jay Moore on Saturday Live? You never fucking know. I tell Lauren all the time. You never fucking know. He was Lauren's manager, too. You never fucking know. He's the guy that said, do it. I'm out there with Martin Short and Michael McKeon. I realize they just trusted me. Like, what if it sucked? Never crossed their minds. They feel about me. As great as I feel about me, which is what bothers people about me. <laughs> so that was like, wow. Martin Short, Bernie Brillstein, and Michael McKeon said, who's the guest? Jay Moore. Great. Let us know when he's here, and we'll shoot. Go. Where's your name, Spain? <laughs> You've always sort of hovered around in the show business middle class. <laughs> so that was a huge one. After Saturday Night Live, like, you're a great comic. You, like, you know it because you're on Saturday Night Live. And then, like, Jiminy Glick happened way after that. Then you go to, like, Gary Unmarried. There's something needs a rewrite. It's not working. And you see eight writers going around and around. And there's a network guy and there's a studio lady. And you just go as a comic because everything's in real time. It's like the Zabruder film, but you can stop it, start it, stop it, start it. Like, going in the room and delivering, your mom died. Nobody laughs until I say... The magical sentence. Nobody grieves until I say that magical sentence. You're a time traveler. People don't realize it. So, um, on Gary and Marion, I'm watching all these people argue, not argue, but just trying to get it right. And I sit back, and which is not my thing, as you know, and I go, she's fucking full of shit. There's no reason being there. That one, that one, that one, that one. That's the domino, the tip. And you go right over the guy and you go, hey, I'm probably crazy. Give my line to Paula. This entire page can, because they always want to get shorter. This entire page can go. Because at the end, when he comes in, he says this word, and that strings the whole thing. So you save a page. I don't give a shit about my line. Give it to Paula, because I'm at the refrigerator, and they go, and I just start writing shit down, and I just hand it back to them, like, because that's the way it goes. 
It's like that took balls. It's like, no, that's just the, you let everything play out and you go two plus two plus two is six. Maybe I'm crazy. And they go, oh, yeah, right. And they take the script and they walked away. And that was the one where I went, they trust me. When other people trust you with something like time and content, it's it just, oof, it's another launch and another launch. And the, and the people that trust you get bigger and bigger. And when Buddy Hackett would just pick my brain, why do you think that is? And I'd be like, I don't know, but we start talking about it. And this year, uh, three years ago, I I came up, the expression I came up with, they're just words unless they're the truth. And all these guys go up on stage. Like, if you're writing a set, how could you possibly be good? You're going to share with a live audience something you sat down at a desk that's made up. How? What joy is there? It didn't happen. How could you go like, oh, let me tell you something else? It didn't fucking happen. And I realized my entire act has already happened to me. So instead of sitting down and looking ahead to what I could do, I looked back into my, like, ghost riding your bikes. I explained to a friend of mine last night. He goes, wait, so what is this ghost riding? He's old to me. He goes, what is this ghost riding your bike? I don't get it. But the crowd was fucking kooks. They were nuts. I go, you literally ride your bike <laughs> towards there. You know what it is? Towards the stairwell or a brick wall and you just pop off the back of your bike. But it stays perfectly exactly as if you were on it. It looks like a ghost. And my buddy's like, wait, so you just destroy your bikes? You're like, yeah, it was the best. So, like, I did that in San Diego and the crowd's like, oh, fuck. I was talking about Republican Party, Democratic Party. I'll run for president. You know what my party's going to be? Block party. <laughs> Close off the dead end street. Watch your parents get day drunk. Ghost ride your bikes through your friend's greenhouse. It was just like you're just conjuring up these images that were there and that there's few details that hit buttons in people. So that was a big one. They're only words unless they're the truth. So go back into what actually happened with you and share it. Hey, everybody. I hope you're enjoying this episode as much as I am. If you made it this far and you haven't fallen asleep yet, then you must be the type of person who's serious about having a career in the comedy business. That's why I'm offering you my Blueprint for Success, a one-of-a-kind all-access pass into my knowledge and experience after over 40 years of working with the best of the best in this crazy entertainment industry. I'll tell you all the stories, all the philosophies, give you all the great special guests, and even give you one-on-one -on -one private consultations to help you expand, enhance, and skyrocket your comedy career. Just go to barrycats.com and click on Blueprint for Success to learn more about my groundbreaking digital academy that I've created just for you. With it, we can take your career so far that one day, instead of listening to this podcast, you'll be interviewed on it. Hey, everybody. I've talked a lot about AquaTrue on this show, the amazing water purification system that's literally a miniature water cooler in your home that purifies the water in a way that no one else has ever figured out how to do. It's this incredibly efficient piece of equipment, and it gives you the best-tasting water you can ever imagine for pennies. You just take it out of the box, plug it in, put your tap water in it, and it takes out all the bad chemicals and gives you the best 
and healthiest water you can ever imagine, saving you thousands of dollars each year from buying bottled water in the store. I have one at my house and office and Everyone who uses it orders one, and you should too. Just go to industrystandardwater.com and type in the promo code Barry, and if you act now, you can get $100 off and start enjoying the best and most cost-effective water you've ever had and never waste another dollar buying bottled water again. I just want to share another groundbreaking product with you. It's a revolutionary air purifier that will change the way your home operates. And I'm talking about the Air Doctor. The air inside our home can be up to a hundred times more polluted than the air outside. But with the Air Doctor, you don't have to worry about it as it removes dust, pet hair, mold, pollen, flu viruses and so many other contaminants that circulate throughout our homes. Till now, the only thing that could come close to this product were systems that cost thousands of dollars. But now you can get the Air Doctor for a fraction of the cost, normally $600. And if you don't believe me, check Amazon. But for a limited time, I can give you 50% off and save you $300. Just go to airdoctorpro.com, type in the promo code Barry, and get rid of all the bad toxins in your home. I'm telling you, I have this product. It really, really works. So get one now and start breathing the cleanest and healthiest air you can ever imagine. Well, you were always the kind of guy that blew me away because you'd be submitted for an acting job, booking your first acting jobs, big jobs, big sitcoms. Then you go up for Saturday Night Live and you don't even seem like you care. You're wearing shorts, a T-shirt. East Stroudsburg girls soccer t-shirt and maroon hillbilly sweatpants you know it was strategic though i figured everybody's been at home getting their like comedy shirt on getting their hair the way they like it for their show get the cuffs rolled up the way they like it make sure they have the right sneakers that go with those like acid wash i go everybody's freaking out i may not get the gig i may not even do well it was at stand up new york which is like it's not home or away it's like doing nfl in london you're like how was it i don't know and his fucking stupid horns and they were chanting some shit about Tottenham <laughs> I'm not sure how it goes there ever and I was like if I'm not funny if I don't like move them they're gonna know that guy just didn't give a fuck somebody's gonna go who's the guy that just didn't fucking care and that super calmed me because that was the character I was going to present to do stand up and you see people like <laughs> Like getting ready to go up and fucking doing push-ups and shit. You're like, you guys are, and you see the absurdity around you if you slow it. Time, comics and drummers. Time, we know time. You, when you slow it down and go, I'm gonna be the guy that just knows there is zero chance analytically, statistically, empirical data. There is a zero percent chance I'm going on Saturday Night Live. It is an actual impossibility. That's why I don't buy a fucking lotto ticket. Never have in my life, cats. So if I know I'm not going to win the lottery, you hand me a $5 bill to buy a lottery ticket. What's, where's the angst? So somebody handed me the mic. I just went up and I stared them down in the back left-hand corner, Lauren and Adam Sandler and Rob Schneider and Jim Downey. And then when I walked off stage to the right, I passed all of them. I realized I just stared down an investment banker for fucking 20 minutes. They thought they were not in the room. And I'm like... 
Arsenio Hall. Yeah, what's that about? I heard you did a movie or something, and something happened, man. <laughs> something happened when you did the movie. What was that about? And I'm doing like De Niro and fucking Batman Robin and De Niro and Pesci. Like, stop beating your bat, fat fuck you. And I'm just staring over there because that's where they are. And I'm going to show them I don't care. Some, some <laughs> fucking Wall Street execs in the back going, is this kid trying to fuck me? <laughs> just never stop taking his eye. Am I a cuckold? <laughs> He's just staring at me. He knows my wife's with me. But you get off stage, what happens? Marcy Klein runs up and goes, don't go anywhere. Lauren really liked you. Like, he really liked you. And then Lauren came out. There's a white limo. And I remember going, is that like a black prom? Like, how did I miss that? <laughs> and I go, as I look to Lauren to speak, I'm about to go, hey, Lauren, who the fuck? It's a white limo. <laughs> and as I go to speak, Marcy Klein opens the door for him. And I go, hi, Lauren. <laughs> I just draw the end out. You were really, really funny. You'll be hearing from us uh, soon, soon, soon. Okay. So, okay. I'm like, you can't think about this at all. Like, you just got to delete, as you taught me. Delete. De gone. De just a blinking cursor where there were words. Delete. Catawba, North Carolina, the next day, <laughs> co-headlining Catawba College with Anthony Clark. And me and Anthony Clark on this bullshit flight out of LaGuardia. Huge airport, two runways. Way to plan. <laughs> so, like, Carlin. Metropolitan Airport, two runways. They crisscross. Have fun. <laughs> you can go. You stay. You stay. You go. Enjoy the river. <laughs> I go back to my hotel. At the, it was an actual Motel 6, not like comics being hacks. Like, we're like a Motel It was a Motel 6 next to a Cracker Barrel, next to a gas station where truckers can shower. And they're laying down, too. There's a place to lay down, like coffins. Might as well be. And I'm going to go take a nap. And Anthony Clark with his like skinny bean pole body, he's got the net in the pool. He goes, I'm going to take a swim. I'm going to get rid of all these bugs. <laughs> there are so many bugs in this pool, Jay Moore. He's that great bit. He goes, I'm going to have a game show called I Don't Fucking Believe It. <laughs> it says here, Madge, from Brockton, Massachusetts, uh, you are not retarded. <laughs> That's right, Anthony. Remember that? It says here, uh, you're from Brockton, Massachusetts. You have seven children. Uh-huh. It also says, uh, Marge, you are not fucking retarded. That's right, Anthony. I've had five tests <laughs> from four different doctors written for against. I've taken blood. I'm not retarded. Well, why don't you step up to the lucky wheel and give it a spin? Because I don't fucking believe it. <laughs> like, what? He just created this woman. So uh, I go up to my motel room, Motel 6, Ruth Ann Secunda, and you were on the line. And the phone rings in that room. I'm like, Ruth Ann was your agent at the time at uh, Abrams Artist. And the phone rings in the Motel 6. I go, hello. It's like, uh, Jay, Perry, and Ruth Ann. And I'm like, wow, my, my whole family died in a car accident. Like, they're <laughs> all uncles, aunts, nieces. Like, who knows? I'm in a Motel 6 next to a truck wash where you can <laughs> sleep, man. Don't you want to get some Z's? <laughs> Barry goes, are you sitting down? I go, I'm laying down. But then he goes, you got it. It's less than, I don't know, 16 hours later from that night on the sidewalk. And I'm like, it wasn't like, yeah. I go, let me call you. And if you remember, I go, let me call you guys right back. Because it felt like a bus rolled on top of me. It was so serious. 
you can't even like go fuck yeah like you don't hold the larry o'brien trophy and go we were down three one suck it yeah fucking high five you're alone it's you now you have to go do this when you're governor you're governor 100 years from now. It's not like, you know, former governor of Kansas, you're governor. 21 Tonight Shows. My next guest is a cast member of Saturday Night Live. No matter what else happened, that goes in. And I knew it, the seriousness of it. I'm like, who do you tell? Anthony. I go down the steps of the Motel 6, the big door, clack, clack, the big thick metal doors in a motel because everybody's going to get killed. And he's still getting like, there's like one bug he can't reach. <laughs> he goes, I swear to God. I don't, I don't fucking believe it. I go, hey man. He goes, can you? Are your arms longer than mine? <laughs> I go, what? <laughs> I can't reach it, man. <laughs> ah, and he puts his hand up like Blanche Dubois, like the back of his hand is for. But he's that's you know he was that fucking hilarious and he acted that uniquely. Where the fuck are we? I can't even get a fucking swim because there's a bug in the pool. I just got Saturday Night Live. And he looks up and the sun's in his eyes. He's squinting that sweet face. He goes, well, there goes that map. (laughs) (laughs) And that night, please welcome the newest cast member. Like it was, that's why I then headlined. Anthony said, you got to close the fucking show with that, man. You can't go out first. And it's not like, I'm not following that. Like Anthony could fucking follow anybody. It's like Cedric the Entertainer. He don't give a shit. He'll follow a fucking military funeral. The audience doesn't know right now, listening to this podcast, is I'm about to do live television in about 11 minutes. And Barry's like, now, after you were 16, then you had a birthday where you, I believe it's August 23rd, making you a Virgo Leo, (laughs) born on the cusp. (laughs) Then you turn 17. Walk us through 17. Six degrees of separation. Six degrees of separation. I'm going to mention a name. Tell me the first thing that comes to mind. Anything that comes to mind. Dave Chappelle. Hilarious. You know what's funny? I'm getting like colors and images. It's not words. And our craft is words. Yeah, I use the word fucking craft and I mean it. I pictured his face at Boston looking at himself in the mirror in the back of the room. I pictured him turning. Buck teeth and the nutty professor. Then I got Eddie going shitlocks. I'm like, don't say shitlocks. <laughs> it was all images. The whole thing is what words. So I just I landed on hilarious after 80 things. Ellen Burstam. Mom. Clint Eastwood. Squint. Adam Sandler. Laba Laba Lou. <laughs> Louis C.K. Red. Tracy Morgan. Pregnant. Dane Cook. Instagram. Bill Hicks. Elvis. Chris Rock. Greatest. Helen Hunt. Bangs. Helen Mirren. Other Helens. <laughs> Helen Alice Spore of Woodland Hills. <laughs> Helen DeGeneres. Buddy Hackett. Oh, to be a Nagasaki where the women to the back and the men say, woo, waggy woo. Ray Romano. Oh, <laughs> wedding ring on the table spinning. Keanu Reeves. Whoa. Beautiful. Beautiful. Whoa did come first, but oh man, he's fucking beautiful. Clean. And just clean. Eddie Murphy. Delirious by the I don't know. It's too much. It's a lifetimes. It's your whole life. I'm realizing now why. It's because there's li- you like to have land on a word is you're faking it. Lauren Michaels. No, no, no. 
kind? Christopher Walken. Military. Oh, this watch. Probably. Finally, Chris Farley. The sun. The sun. The reason you get tan, because he's standing in a room next to you. Most beautiful man I ever met in my life. You can live eternally if you do it a certain way. I do that Chris Farley story on stage when I get up on the stool. He's there. It's every night. Yeah. Yeah. I'll never forget the words you used to describe Chris Farley in Gasping for Airtime. A wrecking ball of joy. See? That's a book from 18 years ago. And you just pulled a sentence from 340 fucking pages that I had forgotten. You know, you got to do like chitter chatter, like a courtroom scene. Like you have to have some noise in order for the judge to go, order, order. He would just go, because they always tell you like in acting, like just like murmur, a little hubbub. But you go, murmur. <laughs> and the actors are pantomiming and people are going like, hey, you know, red leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow leather. <laughs> murmur. You, you go back and watch old SNL. Murmur, murmur, <laughs> spades gay. <laughs> and then, like, they cut to you as the bailiff, and you're like, <laughs> we please stop laughing during dress rehearsal, Juju? <laughs> yeah, I'll get on that. I don't know if you know when he tousled my hair, I'm wearing a wig, and it went over the side of my face. <laughs> I've never done live TV before. No one's explained it to me. Do I fix said wig? <laughs> or do I just sit there with a crooked wig because no one saw him do it? Because that fuck knew when the camera was not on him, when it was behind him. And he timed out the goddamn shots so we can go, how about you, young, with his cross eyes. It makes you laugh. Like he, like he knew what was happening. Like he was watching it from somewhere. He was watching us from some. Does that make sense? Of course. He knew which camera was on. And when it was only on you, it's not like you have a monitor in front of you. You're on a fake living room. Motivational speaker. Hola, mos niños. Mi amo, Matt Foley. Padre, done they por favor, fair mate, done grand yapper. And then he would just call, then he knew it was only my face. And he goes, completely cross-eyed. He goes, how about you, young fella? <laughs> and on TV, you just see him bending over. You don't know he's got that kooky face. And you're like, this guy is a fucking amateur. Like, no, I'm not. I'm enjoying this. I'm help. I am powerless over that joy. And I accept. Your proudest moment in show business. Proudest getting nominated for a Grammy for stand up. I cried. I was in the bathroom shaving. My phone vibrated. It's never, I never bring it in. And I went, wait a minute. I was on airplane mode. It's off air. Oh, I just take it off airplane mode. And it was just, it, I had 28 just bzz, 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 from like 5 a.m. You got nominated for a Grammy. And I just went, wow. I sat down. I didn't know. It's like, holy shit, out of all the albums that get submitted, which is all of them. But then the realization, I had no idea this could possibly be this important to me. It's like the floor going out, you land after like 10 stories, and they go, no, 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 we're not done. And then that floor goes out, you're like, holy fuck. And then that floor goes out because you're like, no, stop, put a floor in. Of course, and no, you never knew because nobody gets this call. It is an honor just to be nominated. I'm going to tell you this. When they say, <laughs> been nominated for an Emmy, been nominated for a Grammy, Emmy again, it is an honor to get nominated. You're like, fuck it. I put up my three pointer. I'm Big Shot Rob. Suck it. 
Game seven, I don't give a shit. I don't know if you saw what I just did in game six, the fourth game seven. And then it's game seven and they go, uh, and the nominees are, and you look at the monitor, like five faces, you're like, 20%? <laughs> you fucks. Oh, no way. And they go, Louis C.K. And you go, that's the only guy. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, the, the year I was nominated, it was like, Lampanelli is the best. Craig Ferguson is the best. And Lisa Lampanelli, my podcast, goes, you know who won when I was nominated? The fucking flight of the Concords. <laughs> I go, I would have fucking burnt down the auditorium. <laughs> she goes, that album, I go, is 18 minutes long. I go, it's, it's, you're right. Unacceptable. She goes, you and I are nominated. If I lose to you, great. I go, that's how I feel. It was Louis, Greg Ferguson. Wyatt Sinek, a great comedian. Wyatt Sinek, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's really fucking funny, man. Yeah. Super clever. And he's one of those guys that looks like a hipster. When you listen, you watch it again and again, like you do with comedy. You go, oh, he actually is that hip. Like, you are the guy that wears a fucking backpack to the press conference. <laughs> like, oh, that's where I put my shit in my backpack. I'm cool. I'm going to listen to some vinyl. Hey, everybody. Let me remind you one more time about my new blueprint for success. It's a project I've spent months and months working on just to help you jumpstart your comedy career and beat the competition. Whether you want to do stand-up, sketch, improv, acting, writing, producing, directing, radio, social media influencing, or even if you want a career behind the scenes as a manager or agent, Blueprint for Success will give you all the tools you need to take your career to the highest levels. With exclusive interviews, my top 50 commercial-free episodes from Industry Standard, one-on-one coaching with me, and unprecedented access into my knowledge and experience from over 40 years in this crazy business. I guarantee you that with Blueprint for Success, you'll become the creator you've always dreamed of becoming. No one's asking me to do this. I want to do it because I want to help you become truly undeniable. So just go to barrycats.com, click on Blueprint for Success, and start your incredible journey today. I truly can't wait to work with you to help you change the trajectory of your comedy career forever. Your biggest disappointment in show business and how you used it to fuel your career to the next level. Like there's things that like I was just dumb, but like I don't have a disappointment or regret about like Blue Streak. Like, I don't want you to come in again. I'm like, fuck that. I'm doing Caroline's this weekend. Sorry. I went in twice. Like, no, you're going to get it. Just go If I'm going to get it, then I should get it. You're going to let this thing go away? What if a movie makes a hundred? I don't care if it makes a hundred. I know what you're going to say already. If it makes a hundred million dollars <laughs> ten years from now, I won't give a fuck. Yeah, but I don't give a shit that Blue Streak, man. I can look back and go, man, I have a totally different trajectory of a career. Because I have a comedic lead up, said Martin Lawrence. To me, that was a disappointment because your agent at the time represented Luke Wilson. And Luke was in L.A. You were in New York. And Martin went to L.A. In all fairness, I was begged in several days of me going, I'm not fucking going. Oh, you mean like when Dane Cook went in and got Mr. Uh, Brooks? <laughs> it was really disappointing. He's your manager. Me. Uh <laughs> Represented Dane, and you had the part of Mr. Brooks <laughs> where you get to play a serial killer, where only you, Kevin Costner, and William Hurt is his conscience. It's revolutionary idea. 
Yeah, sure, man. Demi Moore comes in in the middle and fucks the whole place up because it's who gives a shit. But uh, remove her from the equation. <laughs> you remember last month when I said, I got a movie for you and Eddie Griffin. You and Eddie Griffin. It's $500,000. And you go to film it in Africa. I go, cats? The answer is no. What? I'm going to tell you why. Next time you call me with that information, say, how'd you like to go to Africa <laughs> to pick up 500000 You get to see Africa for half a million dollars. And I'm going to go, oh, what's the catch? Eddie Griffin. <laughs> then fuck it. I'll do it. That's the only catch. Eddie Griffin, man. You and Eddie Griffin. You guys are boat police. We were boat cops. You and Eddie Griffin. Stop saying it. Half a million dollars in Africa. No, I don't know. What is my biggest disappointment? I know what your biggest disappointment was. I know what it is, and I'll say it here for the first time. I'm living in it. The radio show has taken 80% of my time every single day. I have a five-year-old son. Why isn't daddy home? And I do it all the way, anything I do. And when you have meetings about your passion, about your heart, crazy. But you give and you examine and you keep examining and you lose weight and you don't come upstairs until 2 a.m. and your wife says, are you avoiding, can we talk? Are you avoiding me? Because that's how little you're actually with your family because you're on the internet looking for a way to prove immeasurable things like passion, heart. Because it's not that. I only have passion, heart, and good attitude. My son is, it's, that's the whole, the bridge over the river, the tunnel under the river, the doorway into the next room, the laundry you put on your back, the laundry you put in. It's me and him. It's, it's insane, the connection, the ease. I'll come home, that guy'll be crying. There'll be three grown-ups. He's like, I don't want to put on my shirt. And I go, hey, buddy. And he looks at me mid-tantrum. And in his eyes, I can see him go, yeah, this is all just fucking bullshit. <laughs> and then I just wait. Because it's like, wait, your dad, if daddy's not going to be happy, if I know any of that has happened, I get nicer. So it's like, he was terrible. He spit at me. And I go, oh, you want to get ice cream? <laughs> I fucking handle it. I'm coming home because I only want to see you two. And there's a problem. So radio has taken uh, time. And I just didn't know I was going to button this entire fucking discussion. Because I've been obsessing over time and traveling time. Carrying messages through time of death and life. And it's taken time from me. Last question. What advice do you have for the young artist somewhere in a town like Verona, New Jersey? And how do they get to have the kind of career that you have? You can only have the kind of career that you will have. I don't have the kind of career anybody else has. Newhart doesn't have the career anybody else had. First gold album of Warner Brothers, man. I know, Barry. And that's the album on your wall. <laughs> Why don't you take it on the other side of the wall so the sun doesn't set on it every day? And it's just a white piece of paper. <laughs> you can't see new art on it? I can make it out if I squint. This is how I talk to Barry in the afternoon, like I'm painting on public access television. 
A little bit of green right there across new heart. See, the end is green. It's an eye grabber. Repetition, artist, any genre, just keep repetition, 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 repetition. If you don't have a crew, if you're very young, if you don't fit in really anywhere, that's the best thing in the world because you're not like the others. Don't be like the others. Nurture whatever that garden is in you where you grow different things than others. And people go, hey, this guy's like always with us. He's always like writing shit down. Hey, uh, Shakespeare, go double down on whatever the negative is. You said little town. Whatever the negative is about you, like, hey, fag, be the fucking gayest guy in town. Whatever it is. A, 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 a basketball man, just watch this to the point where they say it, it circles back and they actually look absurd. Like you walk up to Derek Jeter and go, hey, shortstop. People go, what you, why would you call? Because he thinks he's a fucking shortstop. No, he's Derek Jeter. Just keep doing it. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. I can't. I don't know where to do it. Then don't do it. If that's your conversation in your head, you should not do it. I know guys that stood at a ground round while people were being seated and went up and down the line with goddamn peanut shells on the floor doing stand-up. I was 17. I was driving around Montclair, West Orange, East Orange, East Orange. Yikes. <laughs> Caldwell, Pinebrook, Montville, from bar to bar to bar. Do you want to have a comedy night? I'll do it for free. Do you want to have a comedy night? I didn't realize that I was doing somebody else's podcast. They're like, you did that? Well, who told them? I'm like, yeah. I just thought it was normal. <laughs> I wasn't old enough to get in the bars. I'm like... I know I'm not old enough. I don't have an ID. Is he the owner? Can I just clip to New Jersey? Can I just speak to – is that Fat Sal? Can I talk to Fat Sal? Would you like to have a comedy night? But there was like 40 of them. The 41st was re, R-E-L-Y-N-N, like re, like repeat. I don't know, but the Lynn, like a lady's name, re Lynn's in like a pack on New Jersey. It was a boathouse. She was like, bring on equipment, I guess. I'm like, great. You know, I'll take the door. Two bucks. If I get 10 people. That's more than 10 bucks. <laughs> and everybody from the, the restaurant I was working at came. Uh, but the night before, I went, <gasps> in bed, Valley View Road, in my bottom of my bunk bed that I never got rid of. I went, I don't have any equipment. <laughs> never crossed my fucking mind to go, I'm going to need a mic. Like, if I show up, everything's cool. Not without a speaker and electricity, it ain't. It's a boathouse with a fucking bar with hillbillies at it. And so... uh one of the guys at the restaurant played guitar, and I go, can I borrow your amp? Do you have a mic? He goes, I don't know. I go, what? And I made it like he was a jerk. Like, how the fuck do you not know if you have... So it's an amp and a mic as long as this one, but you had to stand next to the amp because the mic was only seven, six feet long. But he stood, if you shift your body weight, the feedback. So everyone's just standing with the mic and tilting their body, and nobody at the bar turned around, which is probably a good thing. Repetition, double down whatever people think is your negative. Because that's you. As uh, Cat Williams says, if people say shit about you for 20 years, it's true. Jay Moore, I'm honored that you did this for me right before your live show. And I love you so much. I love you, Dad. Okay, I'm going to scroll through the list of people who sent me a message. And one of these people will be a lucky winner. And they'll get to attend a podcast live with one of my guests, meet them, shake their hand, ask them a few questions, or else if they're out of town, out of state, or out of the country, we'll Skype them in or FaceTime them. 
or anything like that so they can be there. Why not? So let me look here randomly and pick somebody. All right, landing on Cardnat, February 20th, 2017. The heading reads, great, five stars, and the comment reads, intelligent and insightful. <laughs> well, thank you, Cardnat. That was short and sweet, and I appreciate it. It means a lot. And that wraps up part one of our podcast. I just wanted to thank my incredible partners, starting with Aquatrue, the revolutionary miniature countertop water purification system that works straight out of the box. Plug it in, fill it with tap water, and immediately turn your faucet into your favorite bottled water for pennies. You can get $100 off when you go to industrystandardwater.com and just type in the promo code BEAR and start enjoying the best water you've ever had and never buy another bottle of water again. And I killed JFK, the groundbreaking film about the only living person who admitted the killing Kennedy. Go to IKillJFK.com, buy the film and the rare interviews with five of the last living experts, and I guarantee it'll change your mind about what happened that day. And the Air Doctor, the innovative portable air purification system which will change your overall quality of life. It instantly removes dust, pet hair, mold, pollen, flu viruses, and other contaminants circulating in your home. Normally $600, and if you don't believe me, check Amazon right now. But for a limited time, I can offer you 50% off. That's a $300 savings. Just go to airdoctorpro.com, type in the promo code Barry, and start breathing the cleanest and healthiest air in the world. Thank you so much for listening, and have a great day. As always, this has been Industry Standard with me, Barry Katz. And if you like the show, tell all your friends. And if you don't like the show, tell all your friends. You get all the money, drive that fancy car. All the people love you, because you're going far. Life is for the dreamers, they it's never quite over till it all feels the same. You pick your own poison, dig your own grave down in the valley. A fortune. Thank you for listening to Industry Standard with Barry Katz. If you'd like more info on our schedule of new episodes or how to reach Barry through Twitter, Facebook, or email, go to BarryKatz.com. Before you leave, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast. Leave a comment and rate it, even if you think it blows. Thank you for your support and have a great day.